Welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris Evans, and I am joined by Tom King. Hello. And by Stuart Greenwood. Hello. Uh, we're here on a seemingly rare non-race weekend um, after the hectic triple header that we've had uh, to preview the German Grand Prix. But first of all, we're going to stop off in uh, Formula E land, um, where they've just had their season finale with the two races in New York, where uh, one John Eric Verne sealed the championship um, in the first of the two races. Um, a nice, like, proper champions drive to seal the title coming from the back row to finish fifth. Um, importantly, four places ahead of uh, the only person that could have beaten him, Sam Bird. Um, it's, I really like when a, someone wins a championship with one of these, like, I always think of um, Jensen Button in... Uh, Brazil for his championship or uh, I think it's Vettel's second championship as well where like you have to come all the way from the back to really like nail a drive to win your yeah. championship um, it was actually like a really smart drive from him um, the Tashita cars for I think the second or third time this season made a mess of their energy usage in um, qualifying and ended up getting put to the back of the grid so he just like really casually coasted off the line at the start cruised around like just off the back of the pack for a good like three or four laps by which point he had got like a several uh, few percent more energy than the rest of the field and then just kind of turned it up and scythed his way through to uh, to get where he needs to be to win the championship. Nice. Uh, damn impressive drive. And then he just sort of capped it off after he'd already won the title by winning the race on Sunday as well. Um, although, unfortunately for them, uh, Degrassi and Abt got a 1-2 in the first race and a 2-3 in the second race, which means Audi pipped Tachita to the... Uh, uh, Constructors title by two points. Um, it also gave Degrassi second in the drivers' championship, just ahead of Sam Bird. Um, yeah, which is same because last year I think Sam Bird won both of the New York races, and this year he was absolutely nowhere. Yeah, they've had sort of um, oddly mirrored seasons. Those two, yeah, yeah. really have. It's sort of fallen apart for Sam Bird towards the end, and it was fallen apart for uh, Degrassi at the very beginning. And mm. they've sort of switched around. I, I suppose you could say Birds had a bit of a best of the rest kind of season. Like most yeah. most races, he's been there or thereabouts, and he's been very consistent. Um, yeah, but he's just not quite consistently high enough to be leading that championship. It's no. such a shame because he's he's so so good. He deserves a championship in Formula. Yeah, League. absolutely. He's come so 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 close so many times, but just just didn't have the goods this year, did he? Yeah, and Virgin never quite seem to manage to put a full season together do they they have like no. they're quick a lot of the time but they never quite put enough together to do a, like a full championship i mean this is their best season to date for sure i think they came third in constructors and obviously third in the uh drivers but yeah i can't believe quite enough i can't believe audi winning it like pipping uh, was it Tachita who was second yeah 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 they were nowhere at the start of the year no and oh like just so 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 close in the end did you see uh the the, the team jumping around at the end yeah, of the yeah. it's just like they couldn't believe they'd won it germany was a bit um, of a turning point for them though wasn't it the home the home race was, because yeah. from memory they got the one two and then they won the other race as well didn't they so like they they were picking up a lot yeah. of points coming out of that double weekend it um it well it shows the 
the power of having a company like Audi behind you. Like yeah. even in a sort of semi-spec series like Formula E, it's still having that much um, clout behind you works in the end. Not for yeah. Renault so much. Renault finished, after winning three Constructors titles in a row, Renault finished down in fifth, I think, of the Constructors this year. Um, their race pace has been, I mean, it's been terrible. Uh, Buemi got pole for the for one of the two races this weekend, but then just went backwards from there. They've just got no race pace. Yeah, the, the slight irony is that Tachita are using Renault power units in their car. Yeah, and doing a much better job with them. Sounds awfully familiar to the Red Bull story. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jarek Verne is the fourth uh, drivers champion in four years in uh, Formula E, which I think says a lot for the uh, the breadth of competition in that series. Um, interestingly, all the champions are kind of F one rejects. It's been Nelson Piquet Jr., Sebastian Buemi, Lucas Degrassi, and now Jean Eric Verne. So it's nice to see people who just get unceremoniously dumped from Formula e, uh, One getting a sort of second chance in Formula E. Yeah. We'll see if Massa does the same next year. Again, there's a little bit of a Red Bull link to a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, there is actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to see Massa next year turn up and uh, join that club. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends where that uh, Venturi team is because they've not been great this season. Um, this is also the first time the championship hasn't gone down to the final race in Formula E history, um, which is, again, just say so much for the uh, level of competition. Um, and it is, of course, the final race for this current generation of Formula E cars before we get the Gen 2 Batmobiles next year. Yeah. Um, and also the end of the uh, mid-race car swaps because the new yeah. car can do a full race distance. That's a sh- I think that's a bit of a shame, you know. <laughs> after every- after all my criticism of it, like, <laughs> I've actually, th- this since they made it a bit less regimented and, and a bit just like who can do it the fastest yeah it's it's added so much drama to the race yeah, definitely and it's taken the teams a few years to get sort of their heads around it and get get really good at it but now they're all really really good at it and they've got it all down it's super exciting to watch and a lot less calamitous um and yeah that's going away isn't it it's a shame yeah it's almost i almost shame feel like they're losing sort of the unique thing. well to be fair they're, they're replacing it with its their own very unique thing next season i'm not sure yeah. if you guys have read about the race formats for next year but they're essentially going to have like a a kind of zone on the outside of one of the corners and at certain points of the race if they drive through that zone they get like extra energy to use for a few laps or something it's all Can't, very like, like a zero mario kart almost yeah joke lap i was yeah. i would compare it almost to like a joker lap in rallycross where oh, it's a little different i guess because it, it sounds a lot more optional in the formula e but the the concept's very similar to the joker laps where you have to do at least one lap through that slightly elongated course in the rallycross yeah it's but whereas in fe i guess it's not so much it's it's you're not going on a different part of the track it's just like basically i think on most tracks it's going to be you run to the very outside of like a hairpin or something that will take you through like a painted zone and then that will give you the speed boost yeah it's it's, it's um, like compromising your line isn't it i guess so you've got to yeah you've got to be able to build a gap away from someone i guess to warrant going out there because if not you're going to lose a position it's, it's about yeah weighing that but then of course you'll then have that extra energy to potentially get back yeah them. exactly it's, but it's it'd be interesting to see how it plays out in reality and of course yeah. we'll have the nice leds on top of the halo so you can see who's using this at any given moment which i think is going to be cool that's really yeah. cool 
Um, I do, I do worry a little bit. Like we've had four really competitive seasons of Formula E, and as good as the new cars look, the fear is always going to be there that they're just not going to be able to race as well as the previous ones. But we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited to see those the actual cars in the flesh racing. Though it's going to be amazing just to see all those cars lined up on a grid looking like they're from a video game. Yeah, speaking of cars that look like they're from a video game, did, did anyone see anything of Goodwood this weekend? Yes. Yeah, I watched a fair bit of it, actually. Did you see the Robo Race car going up the hill? Yeah. That was quite exciting, wasn't it? It's really exciting, yeah. yeah. I was I was um, half expecting it to sort of spear off the track at some point in, into oblivion, but it didn't. No, <laughs> it, just, it, it, just, it, it just worked. It was one of the few cars that didn't have a moment <laughs> at some point, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah it's... um. The timetable on that is still a little bit wishy-washy. Like it was supposed to have been the um, support series for Formula E from next season, I think. And now it's still a bit up in the air whether they're going to be ready or not in time. But it is amazing to see how fast that technology is progressing. Yeah. Um, it was also an electric car that won the timed hill time yes. of Goodwood this year. The um, the VW oh, the Volkswagen. Yeah. yeah, the Pikes Peak electric thing. Yeah, that thing is just insane. I, have, I still it? haven't seen the Pikes Peak lap yet. I'd really want it's to see that. Mind-blowing. It's, it's awkward because nobody's put a good actual edit of the lap together. So some people have got like helicopter footage. Some people have got like trackside footage. Some people have got tiny little bits of um, onboard footage, but nobody seems to have put a good edit of the whole thing together <laughs> yet. Um, yeah. It's probably because it takes over eight minutes for it to get to the top and the effort required to put that yeah. well, together from all those different sources would te- be Technically, monumental. for the VW, it wasn't. It was seven seven minutes <laughs> and 50-something. Oh. oh <laughs> Hence it being a new record. <laughs> those crucial few seconds. Thank, thanks, mate. <laughs> um, in less promising electric car news, um, there's the... Uh, electric gt championship that's supposed to be starting i believe next year um using uh tesla model s uh shells um and they did the first test of one of those uh last week i think it was uh at the circuit of catalonia and it managed a lap and a half before it overheated so a oh. oh. little bit of work still to do on that one bit of work to do, yeah. a bit of cool bit yeah a bit of cool i mean <laughs> Just cut the bodywork. Yeah, just cut a hole in the front of it. It'll be fine. It. I mean, do what yeah. McLaren do. Cut a hole in the top of it. Let them out. Job done. And then just run at the back for the whole That's it. If it's good enough for the pinnacle of motorsport, it's good enough for anyone. Cut a hole in it, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> While you're at it, pay all your staff in Freddo's. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I've um, that one too many times. I won't like, no, mention the Freddo's again. They are never going to live that down. <laughs> Um, seeing that we haven't moved to F1 I suppose um, in a bit of F1 news uh, Renault boss uh, Cyril Beatable um, as this week said he believes the F1 calendar would benefit from a aggressive cull down to um, sort of 15 to 18 races a year kind of similar to what we had in the late 90s early 2000s um, his argument basically was that he said we need to be able to engage with fans but it has to remain something special and with the calendar we have now the enthusiasm is not the same um, it's almost becoming routine it shouldn't become a day job uh, I appreciate the reason why commercially we need to grow the calendar but as far as I'm concerned I would be for a massive uh, contraction of the sport uh, a couple of other like smaller team bosses uh, from Hassan Force India kind of agreed uh, Gunter Steiner said um, going to races cost them a hell of a lot of money so 
They need to make sure they have income as well as expenditure and just growing it for the sake of growing it. There is no point. Um, yeah, I'm interested in your guys' thoughts on this because obviously we've just, we're in the middle of the longest ever season with 21 races. And yeah. there's at least two races they want to add in the next year or two, which might take us up to like 22 or 23. I think 23 races is definitely enough races. I don't think you need to go any higher than 23, but I, I don't see I don't see the logic in colour. It's to me what they're saying all sounds financially motivated. It sounds like a play for them to get more money if they want to if they want to go to but if they want them to run at more races then obviously the teams need more money in form of prize money whatever. Well yeah. Um, there is that. The fa- I don't agree with the with him saying it's it's not a special thing. I think every every yeah. Formula One race is still a, a special event for yeah. the country involved. It's not like we're just, you know, it's not like NAS, uh, IndyCar or NASCAR where you're just going around America and there's a race every weekend. Like this is like a global championship where you go into all kinds of different countries and these are proper big ticket events. Every single one of them. So um, I, I I'm I massively disagree with that i can see his point i can see that it's hard for the teams to get to lots of races but fans want races if the cars are on track then you know it's good for the fans it's good for the sport because a big gap between races can sort of switch people off because they lose track it's not like football where there's one or two games every week you know well that is a problem that's a problem Formula E has always had is that you sort of occasionally have these big two, three, four, sometimes even more weak gaps between races. And yeah, yeah. people just kind of... You forget. Forget <laughs> about it, forget what's happening, forget where you're on the championship. Yeah, it's, it doesn't appeal to a casual fan as much. As daft as that might sound, no. as contradictory as it might sound, the more there is, the easier it is for a casual fan to stay involved because it's more frequent. Yeah, well, you're putting it in front of people's faces more, right? Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, if you ask this to the drivers, if you put this question to the drivers, I guarantee you they'd all say that they'd race every weekend because whenever whenever they get the question <laughs> yeah, totally. of, we're adding an extra race next year, what do you think? Like, I don't care. Like, I, it's better for me. I, I'd want to race. That's what I want yeah. to do. And I'd race every weekend. Well, Alonso is racing well, yeah, every some weekend. Of them are. <laughs> Alonso specifically. <laughs> but, you know, they'd all say that if they could race in F1 every single weekend, then that's what they would do. Yeah. I mean, that's what they did when they were growing up. Yeah. You know, when they were all karting. Yeah, totally. They'd be, they'd be at races every, every, at least every other weekend. I think I think the bigger problem is, like, all the drivers that were asked about the triple header that we've just had were like, yeah, it's been great not a problem whereas the poor mechanics and people who work for the yeah. team they were like get to the first race a few days before rig up do the race weekend immediately take everything down straight in lorries drive into the next race and to do that three weekend like yeah. the human toll on the people who have to actually do the infrastructure yeah i think that is a problem three races back to back seemed ridiculous i am with you there and having seen that from the inside as well you could see the strain it puts on yeah totally not only the teams but the but the staff at formula one as well like it's 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 an intense intense run of of races when they're back to back like that i think the solution for teams at least is to have more staff employ more staff but then obviously the money needs to come from somewhere <laughs> yeah. to do that and that's what yeah, that's and the like syllables of... and the other guys are worried about is yeah, totally. They know they're going to need to do that if there's more races, so they want to make sure this is all a play to make sure that they get the money they need in order to fulfil that requirement of running that many races. Yeah, I mean, 
I think it's fair enough, though. Like, if suddenly yeah. they have to pay to travel to two more races, that's another thing that the likes of Mercedes and Ferrari and Red Bull can just say, how much? Yeah, okay, there you go. Whereas yeah. someone like a Haas or a Sauber are going to be, like, scrabbling around to find that money. I'm, I'm absolutely with you there. Yeah. Um, but it is the team's responsibility to go out and get the funding and get the sponsors and get, you know, get the money they need to get. The FOM could make it easier for them, but it shouldn't be easy. It should not be easy to come into Formula One and just be able to run a team. It's, it's supposed to be challenging. It's the yeah, pinnacle true. of motorsport. So, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, true. I mean, I will say I feel like 21 is plenty. I, I feel like 20 is, feels like a good number. Like, it's like let's say in two years time we add um, the miami street circuit and there's talk of like a street race in thailand or something yeah. Uh, yeah. like is having a 23 race season because we've got two more street circuits that are probably going to be dull races really adding that much more value yeah. to it i i think you're bang on there um i i, I don't see the point in adding races when without value to them and i i can see cyril's point in saying there's, uh, there are there's probably there probably are six races on the calendar that we could live without. Yeah, but maybe you know maybe they are an opportunity. Maybe you know you have somewhere like that that can afford to have a race every year come in. I mean, like fair enough. But then we've got places like Silverstone, Spa, Germany that struggle to be able to afford to do a race yeah. every year. So maybe we say we keep it twenty races, and you guys just kind of alternate between yourselves. So. You can still host races. It's just well, not as, every year. as an example, like Monaco in Formula E is every two years. It's partly because of yeah. the the classics race. They alternate with the with the classics race, yeah. but still, it's you know, it's a circuit that is used once every two years rather than every single year. And I guess there's a lot that you could potentially do that with, like. You know the German circuits did it for what the last ten years. I, I know that ultimately yeah. we're not really in that situation anymore because of financial issues at the German circuits. But it's something that they've done for ten years in terms of going backwards and forwards between the two. And I haven't found that an issue. I've, I've quite enjoyed the fact that you get the the variety no. of visiting two yeah. two different circuits within that country every couple of years. So, I mean, yeah. I'll be honest. Until I came to make the notes for this. Um, episode. I forgot that we didn't have a German Grand Prix yeah. last year. Um, no, I mean, I know. I mean, I know. Obviously, if we didn't have a British Grand Prix for a year, we would notice that, and people in Germany will have very much noticed that they didn't have a race last year. But it does show that you can occasionally miss a year and still come back, and it still be you know a big event. Yeah, for sure. And Hockenheim's a cracking circuit. Bear in mind, we've not been to Hockenheim in. This will be. To, well, it was Nürbur- the last one was Nürburgring, wasn't it? it yeah, it no, should have been. Oh, yeah, it should have been Nürburgring well. last year, and that fell through. Um, so ah, it was, right, okay. So it's two yeah, it was 2016, the last one. I prefer Nürburgring. Who prefers Nürburgring to Hockenheim? Mm. I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't know. Um, I kind of like them both for different reasons. The, yeah, the, the Hockenheim I remember though is the old one that used to have the back straight in the woods, with and then they put the chicanes into it, um, and obviously you don't yeah, have that yeah. anymore because you come infield and round and then rejoin the yeah yeah the old circuit and come back round into the stadium section and uh, Hockenheim's got good memories for me from playing old games and watching old races that went down that that back bit through the woods, so yeah, I've same. got a slight 
preference Hockenheim for that reason. The stadium section of Hockenheim is next level. It's really oh, it's yeah. amazing. That yeah. banked bit, is the, the, like before the sort of final chicane, the banked bit is really Yeah, that yeah, bank really left cool. hand is awesome. Yeah, and they, they can carry so much speed for it. These cars are going to be motoring through. Yeah, well, this year. is going to be the interesting thing is to see those cars around that section. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how the calendar evolves over the next few years because there is definitely scope for it to just keep growing and growing. But yeah. it, what's more interesting is to see the races that we're going to lose. If, if you could look, right, here's a question for both of you. Mm. If you could look, right now, off the top of your head, if you could mm-hmm. lose, for, for quickness sake, let's say, if you could lose three races off the calendar next season, which three would you get rid of? So Abby Dabby. Yeah, Singapore, sure. maybe. Yeah, yeah, Singapore. If, yeah, if we're purely talking down to enjoyment of watching races, definitely. Yeah. Sadly, Singapore is now one of the most important races for Formula One in terms of like yeah, that's not financially and where decisions are made and stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely those two. And there's a third. Don't say Hungarian because we're going there. <laughs> not, no, not that. It's usually a good uh, one. I'd, I could live without Sochi. It's a newer one that I'm not that bothered about. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Russian that. Grand Prix. I could ditch that. So what's Russian Grand Prix, Abu Dhabi, and Singapore? What was it? Singapore. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm with you there on the on the calendar we've got. They're probably the the, the biggest duds. Of yeah, the three. I think so. Saying that, do we really need to go to Spain? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a big culture for motorsport. It is. We, do, all right. Very... Sorry. No. Do we? Do we? Uh, let me rephrase that. Do we really need to go to the circuit de Catalunya because they test mm-hmm. there all the time? Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see what the race. attendance of that race is like as and when Mr. Alonso retires. Yeah. Because yeah. somehow I don't think Carlos Sainz is going to quite bring the numbers that Alonso always has. It's for me. Spain could maybe do what Germany does, and that is the alternation between another yeah, track. There's so many good circuits yeah. in Spain. Like you yeah. could go to Jerez. Yeah. Jerez is a wicked circuit. Uh, what's bring the back Valencia. Don't bring back. Valencia. <laughs> Don't bring back Valencia. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I think that's our uh, cover cover title. <laughs> Don't bring, bring back, back Valencia. Valencia. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think what else there is. It's got to be more than that, though. I, now I'm looking at. I've got the calendar in front of me, and honestly, of all the races, those are the only three that I think are, are duds. Hungary is great. Germany is always great. Great Britain, Monaco is fantastic. Australia, Bahrain. Bahrain was good this year. Bahrain actually is pretty decent these days. China, Chinese. They don't sell many tickets to the Chinese Grand Prix. No, that's not been the and, best. It didn't. The only thing that made that race good this season was the uh, the fact that it was the safety car thing. Wasn't yeah, it? the yeah. incidents. Yeah, and it's um, not it's not necessarily known for incidents as such, is yeah. it? But yeah, let's leave that one there anyway. Yeah, uh, let's I, let's I, move on because we could talk about circuits all day. Yeah, so we're ditching Singapore, Russian, and Abu Dhabi. So if you're listening, <laughs> sorry, <Ross> Braun, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, moving on. Um, Red Bull junior driver Dan Tictum, who we've mentioned on this podcast a number of times, uh, has been blocked by the FIA from taking part in the post-Hungary test for Red Bull um, as he doesn't have enough super license points, which seems a pretty so it seems um, a fair, reason. fair reason to not let him drive there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Helmut Marco has been particularly upset by this. Um, mm. He said he drives great race in Formula 3, but has not yet scored the points for the license. But how are we supposed to bring our young drivers into F1? Um, well, bring drivers that are good enough to score points and then they get Formula 1 drives. Well, there is that, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, they've, they've kind of made no secret that he's been lined up by Red Bull to replace Hartley next year, ideally in their eyes. Um, but he's currently only got two super license points, which are due to expire at the end of this year anyway. And if he wins the US 3 title, that's only worth 30 points and you need 40 for a full license. So it gives him enough to do um, like testing and potential Friday practice, but no more than that. Um, so at the very least, I think we'll see him in the Abu Dhabi uh, post-season test but I don't know this kind of feels like once again Red Bull and especially uh, Dr. Marco just destabilizing yeah. a race driver that's already having like a hard time like they're doing it to Hartley now they did it to Kvyat a few years ago they're, most people have doing for Toro Rosso in fact they've sort of done similar things to and the problem is well what they don't seem to realise is this is why they're now in this situation where they haven't got a driver with enough super license exactly, points yeah. to drive an F1 other than the ones that are already there. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's probably quite telling that all of Hartley's success has come in the period between his days as a Red Bull driver. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know why they obsess so much about bringing their young drivers through as quickly as possible as well. Like, there's a whole F2 grid of drivers that would kill for a chance to be in an F1 car. Mm. And they're trying to get someone else to, like, jump from F3 straight to F1 like that. I mean, obviously... Verstappen, he worked for them, but yep. I think he's more—he's an exception, not a rule. I yeah, would say and that. he's part yeah. of the reason that there's this stricter age restrictions and super license yeah. restrictions because people weren't happy that someone so young and inexperienced was getting in a Formula One car every weekend. So yeah. he's part of the re- like them doing that <laughs> is part of the reason they can't bring Tictum up because <laughs> kind of created their own yeah, problem. Exactly. They? So. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's definitely um, the the new favourite within the Red Bull program for sure, and they definitely seem to be trying to rush his career along as fast as possible. So it'll be interesting to see where he yeah. goes. I mean, he's... could see a Brit doing it as well. Yeah, he's a Brit. I mean, we've talked about his past discretions before, and I think he's yeah. without going into them again. He's lucky to still have his career going the way it is. But uh, yeah, yeah, if he's if he's good enough, then so be it, I suppose. Yeah. Gets, hopefully, he scores enough points to get himself a super license. Yeah, I think he's, thing. I think he's two points off the lead of the championship at the moment, so he's there or thereabouts. Yeah, like drivers in F two as well. You know, there's plenty of drivers in F two that are doing well and have done well and aren't signed yeah. to teams. Um, like fair enough. You know, your Russells, Norris, and Markelovs of this world are assigned to junior teams um but like they've got Sete camera Sete camera is doing well in f2 and yeah he's been great he's year. someone that the red bull juniors kicked out you know he, he's an ex red mm. bull junior um so it just goes to show that like i don't think they have any respect for the careers of these kids and then they'll, they'll end up asking someone like that to come back i think when they realize yeah, he would be perfect to make that step up next season yeah yeah They've made a rod for their own back by ditching them all. They really have, yeah. They're too quick to ditch them. That's that's the yeah. that's the harsh truth of it. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> um, um, in other Red Bull news that won't be uh, good reading for Toro Rosso drivers, um, German magazine Automotor und Sport are reporting that Red Bull have given Honda permission to test their engine upgrades whenever they're ready to run them this year, um, even if it means more penalties for Toro Rosso this year. 
basically saying that development for 2019 is more important than Toro Rosso's results Whoa. this year. Um, oh. Pierre Gasly, a few days ago, before this news even came out, said that Toro Rosso are going to really struggle to stay ahead of Sauber in the championship purely because of the difference in the engine performance at the moment. Mm. Um, I mean, you don't want to hear that if you're a Toro Rosso driver, do you? Yeah, I don't think it's going. I don't think it's just engine performance, though. I think there's there's more, a lot more to it than that. That's yeah, possibly looking really hot this year. Yeah, that maybe could just Sauber a disservice, but I mean, I guess that's the advantage Red Bull having having two teams. They can yeah use the second team as a bit of a test bed, but yeah. I don't know how much value that's adding to the sport when you've got yeah. one team basically doing test sessions while everyone else is having a race. Yeah, it's it, mm. it brings an interesting point as well to the um, the fact that there's no in-season testing for a reason mm-hmm. um, and just because they've got enough money to technically run two teams should they be allowed to do what they're basically doing, which is use that team as a, a constant live test bed for what they're yeah. going to be using in the engine next year. Like, I think fair play to them. I think it's, it's not written in the no, rules it's not. for them to not do and that. And Formula One's always then... been about bypassing the rules, hasn't it? That, that you know, that's, that's the whole idea. Like, infamous quotes from people like Newey are, it's not about learning what you can do that follows the rules. It's about learning how to interpret those rules without breaking them. And and that that is a, an exact example of that is, well, you can't have an exact B team and you can't do in-season se- testing, but you could fund a second team that's completely separate, in inverted commas, because it's based in Italy, and then let them just hmm. take crap from an engine for a year and then put it in your car when yeah. it's all right. Yeah. Right? It's not rule breaking, but it's very close to. It's kind of disrespectful. To yeah, it. it goes against the spirit of the sport, and it's a bit disrespectful to the other teams and the drivers within Toro Rosso. I think it's very disrespectful. Yeah, absolutely. The drivers and the members of the team, isn't it? Like you know, the guy, yeah. the guys and girls working. Yeah. You know, back to back to back weekends for three weekends at Toro Rosso to then be told, oh yeah, but your car's going to start front back at grid for every single race for the rest of the season because we're going to put new parts in to test them is pretty disheartening isn't it the flip side to that though is that it means that next season because of the extra funding they're going to get Red Bull are going to put into this and to allow this to happen they'll have a much better engine for it so they'll be mm, much there is much, that true in much better stead it's in their own interest yeah. as well I suppose yeah. it's not let's let's not forget it's they're still going to have that engine next season so it will benefit them in the long run but it's they're taking a big hit for for the team aren't they for the for the, yeah. for the parent team for the greater good yeah the greater good <laughs> i wonder if next season we're going to see situations where honda have a new part they'll stick it in one of the toro rossos to see how it performs rather than risk engine troubles for the Red yeah. Bull team. Yeah. And again, why not? Why not do that? Yeah. I mean, th- this is why it's always baffled me that it's taken this long for Ferrari to have this kind of closer relationship with the team that they now have with Sauber and that Mercedes have never done it. Like when um, when Manor were folding a couple of seasons ago, like that would have been a prime chance for Mercedes to step in. Yeah take them over, call them something associated loosely with Mercedes and, you know, stick a couple of young drivers in there. And Yeah. Uh, the thing is, if every if every team did that, you'd end up, you would end up with a true two-tier 
Yeah. I mean, we already do. Uh, let's face it. I've, I've said this for a long time. It's, it's For years now, it's been a two-tier sport anyway, but they can kind of hide away from that by the fact that most of the teams are independent. Whereas yeah. if, if every other team's owned by a bigger team, then that really does create a double class, double standard Formula One, doesn't it? Yeah. Although, sort of on that, I, this season's probably the most proper two-tier season we've had in a while. Because I think for a long time, it's been a three-tier season. You've had yeah. like the top yeah. couple, you've had everyone in the middle, and then one or two back markers who always fight over last place. Whereas now, we're like... Hmm. I guess Williams are probably the only exception at the moment, but even they are not like solidly at the back. They're still kind of in there fighting sort of in the now and again and yeah. have scored points, yeah. Yeah, every team scored points this season. Don't happen very often. Every it? team and all but one driver. Yeah. Just uh, so, poor Sorokin who's yeah, yet to yeah, score. Yeah. Um, save um, that knowledge for predictions later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, looking ahead a little bit to the German Grand Prix, um, Renault bringing a brand new front wing concept to the German Grand Prix, um, aiming to close the gap to Haas, who've been outperforming them for a few races now. Um, they've said it's going to be the last major aero upgrade of the season before they switch focus to the new 2019 regs. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much of a difference that makes. Although they did say it was kind of more of a... Um, uh, higher downforce package they actually expect you to really show what it can do in Hungary um, but yeah interested to see the first team kind of as, as far as I know saying this is us moving on to 2019 yeah yeah this is quite early to be throwing like only midway point of the season this race yeah. is the middle race of the season isn't it so halfway through this yes, late, race we'll be exactly halfway through the season um, then again it is a like a surprisingly big change I think for next season yeah. isn't it like the front wing changes came in quite late this season for them to have to suddenly start working on them so yeah I don't know I still don't know how I feel about that I st- I mean, if, are we going to get do you want to get into that do you want to get into how do we think the regulations next season are going to make much difference is there a big advantage I th- to get in I think we talked about it a bit a few weeks ago and the conclusion we came to was maybe a little bit but they'll probably find it all back in fact, they probably have already found most of that downforce back. Yeah, it's just about already. Well, in the, in the CFD, they would have, but yeah, totally. CFD. I mean, it has to co- correlate, doesn't it? And we we've all seen how mm. badly it cannot correlate for Williams. Well, that leads me very nicely, actually, onto uh, Williams, who say they're still confident they can get to the bottom of the uh, the stalling issue they had with their new rear wing in Silverstone. Um, and they they seem quite adamant in insisting that although they're very much like last and stuck in last place, they're still going to keep bringing upgrades and like pushing on this season. Um, I mean, I don't know how much of that is just the fact that they've never come last in a championship and would very much not like that to happen. Yeah. Um, but I almost feel like they'd be better off just cutting their losses and focusing on next year at this point. <sighs> Maybe, but then if, the the thing is, Chris, if they can't get to the bottom of the issues that are in this car, true, they're, true, they're blocking the way into developing for next season because you know, there's unless you solve it, there's absolutely every chance that it's going yeah, to be point. head again next season. So yeah, really... not to mention the fact there's more money for ninth and tenth. Yeah, they're in a, they're in a really really sticky position at the minute. That too. Yeah, there's um. Yeah, I saw another thing today, Paddy Lowe saying he was like 
not worried about his position within the team given their poor performance, which sounds like something you'd only say if you actually were a little bit worried. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know why you'd say that if there wasn't some reason for it. I'm not worried at all. No, No, everything's fine. (laughs) Something needs to change there because from where they were a few years ago... Things have been changing. That's part of the reason why they've got this rear wing problem because they're they're putting these updates on, trying to sort of pile downforce onto the car and... The reason that this they're having this stalling issue is because this rear wing isn't designed with the rest of the package in mind, it almost seems <laughs> like. So it's not interacting well with the rest of the package and that's why it's not working properly. But I'm sure once they... There will be gains to be had from the wing. It's just there's something strange about the way it interacts with the <laughs> diffuser that that is messing yeah, it's up. It's very strange. Yeah. The, the fact that the rear wing changes shape and spec next year might end up helping them luckily could do but if they don't possibly still if they don't solve the problem then they're going to end up with an underdeveloped rear wing season they absolutely need to fix this yep and then of course it then comes down to are they getting the feedback they need to fix these issues from their two very inexperienced drivers I mean getting rid of Massa what are they thinking yeah, it's not all about money, is it? For, it's not all about who can bring the most cash to the team. I mean, the, this is the prime example of it, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they did it with the, the same thing happened when they had Maldonado. Like Maldonado brought all that Venezuelan dime with him, yeah. and you know they probably spent most of that on new parts for the car. Yeah. Even though he won a race for him. But, yeah, he got them one win in what was it? Three years he was there yeah, for. Yeah. One win to show for it. Mm. What, what um, a race that was. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're bringing new parts to Germany and Hungary, so hopefully it'll uh, show some progress for them. Yep. Um, and then a final little bit of news. Uh, Valtteri Bottas has said that he's been performing at the level Mercedes require from him this season, um, despite the lack of wins. He's now on a 10-race winless run and the horrible luck he's had. Um, obviously, his contract runs out at the end of this year, but... I don't know. I think it's looking more and more likely as time goes on that they will keep him for another season, um, which obviously in turn will probably see Ricardo stay, stay at Red Bull. They're kind of the two that could move around now, I think, at this point. Um, but the qualifying gap this season has only been 0.059 in favour of Hamilton. So he's much closer in qualifying this year than he has than he was there a lot of last season. Um, I do think he's been really good this season. I think... He has been very unlucky, and there's been a few times, um, like I think it was, was it Bahrain where Vettel overtook him towards the end? Yeah. yeah. Um, like there were moments like that. Oh, no, where no, I think Bahrain. I think he could have overtook Vettel, but didn't. Is that? Right? He was one or the other, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's been a couple of things like Safety, that where I think he could have maybe been a bit more Safety aggressive about it, him, but he had issues, and obviously there's no. The, the yeah, tires he ended up on old in, tires. Um, the tire blowing in tire Baku, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, engine and poor strategy decision in Austria. Yeah, France Vettel drove into him. Yeah, yeah. He's had a rough season, but I don't know. Do do you think he's doing enough to keep him? A if you look seat? at when he when he's not having issues, he's finished. He's got a lot of second. He's been consistently second. Great Britain fourth. Mm. Um, Austria retirement from the lead. So. I think he's absolutely doing enough. It's, it's just been really unlucky. Yeah, he's, I'd, I'd agree. He's had bad luck. Um, 
the 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 ultimate question would be is who's there and available that's better to replace him and in that Mercedes system as well. Um, and yeah, there isn't really anyone that's ready to replace him yet. I don't think. No, uh, do you not think? I'd love to see George mm. Russell in that car next season. Just just it, throw a junior in I, the, I the think, best car think, on the grid. It'd be amazing. I think that with Russell, the he would ideally need the progression that Leclerc's had, as in just a season to prove that he can do it at this level. Because that, to me, that's what Leclerc's been doing. And he, yeah. he's been rewarded with that opportunity. And if Bottas is renewed on a one-year deal, I would genuinely expect to see Russell in a Mercedes-powered car of some description um, and basically testing the water to see what he can do. Or, or, or at least doing a lot yeah, of I, Friday I, practices with Mercedes and and seeing what he can do against the others on the timesheets. I think he's a shoe yeah, for a force that, India drive next year. That's what I'd expect. I mean, he's already done a couple of FP ones for them. Yeah, I think he might be doing another one or two more this season. Yeah, I think is he not um, testing for Mercedes in Hungary? Yeah, I think he might be yeah, there because there's an in-season test after the race, isn't there? Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I'm hoping like with the summer break coming up, Bottas can kind of go away and recharge and then have his luck turn around a little bit towards the end of Do the Rosberg season. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he, he definitely deserves a couple of wins this season. He should have had a couple. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I do think though, after all this silly season talk, the only real change we're going to have at the top is Leclerc replacing Raikkonen. Um, I think Mercedes and Red Bull are probably going to end up staying the same at this yeah. point. Um, that's a tantalising prospect, though, isn't it? Leclerc. Oh, that's yeah. so exciting! Like we could, Cannot you could wait. potentially have like exactly what I want for George Russell. There, you could have uh, basically still. Yeah. I mean, two seasons in, like you're still really pretty much rookie status, aren't you? In your second season, yeah, it takes you a long time to get your head into Formula One, I think. And if he can take the fight to Vettel, then we'll really see how good he is, and we'll see how good Vettel is because we all know how good Charles Leclerc is. He absolutely yeah. smashed it last season at uh, yeah. Formula Two. And I mean, if if stories are to believe, like Ferrari have made that decision ten races into his F one career, yeah. which is a big statement on the driver. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's gonna shake Vettel's world a little bit next season. I think it's gonna be very, very interesting seeing those two up against the each other. The same way Daniel Ricciardo did it to yeah. Vettel as well. Yeah, definitely. Mm. But that's uh, that's for next year. Yeah. So let's we, let's look at patiently slightly it. closer um, and do some predictions for the German Grand Prix this weekend. Yes, let's. Um, okay, so German Grand Prix this weekend. Um, I have not got any of the information about the German Grand Prix in front of me. That's silly, isn't it? The last one was two years ago at Hockenheim. Yep, won by Lewis Hamilton. Won by one Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Nico Rosberg qualified on pole. Who? Who? <laughs> um, and the race was won by Lewis Hamilton, uh, followed by Danny Ricciardo, and won Max Verstappen in third place um, way back in 2016. Um, Marcus Ericsson was the last car in qualifying, and Felipe Massa was the first retirement um, of that one. So with all that in mind, let's do some predictions. Um, another interesting point in this uh, race, last year Pirelli took, or sorry, two years ago, Pirelli took the 
medium soft and super softs. This year they're taking medium soft and ultra softs, the missing out a step. Ooh, I love it. But then also happens. remember, yeah, but then also remember that all the tyres are a step softer this year anyway. So they're going wow. significantly soft with their tyre choices yeah, this year, the, which is two stop race. Well, there's, it's that, be. and the the idea of them going softer with the tyres and taking the three choices has been to try and promote almost a qualifying tyre that people will put on and then have to come off fairly early in the race if they've qualified in the top 10. Mm. I think that's been what they've been trying to achieve, and we've kind of seen it in some races, but that's probably the reason for missing a step as well, is to get some of the teams yeah. feeling like they need to be on that faster tyre um, and then like Stu says turn it into a two-stop race fingers crossed I think I think just missing out on Q3 and qualifying like 11th or 12th could well be a blessing in yeah possibly this absolutely could so yeah save a set of tyres so all that being said, all that being said, um, so yeah, let's get into it. Uh, who's going to go first? I guess Tom. You, you, we never seem to make you go first, so you can go first this time. Who hmm. is going to be the fastest in Q3 before penalties? Um, it's difficult because of how irregular we've been here. Um, yeah. There's a lot of fast. There's a lot of fast track, but then that last sector is screaming for like Red Bulls and maybe even the Ferrari to make up time. Um, yeah, oh. it's super tight at mm. the minute. Well, it wasn't last race between the Red Bulls, but I think this race will be a bit more of a Red Bull track, maybe. Except for the last. I think rate. in qualifying, I'm going to go Sebastian Vettel. Vettel. He's a man with good mm. one lap pace. And I think the car is probably the best all-round suited to that track. Um, how about you, Chris? Who's your money on? I have a feeling me and Tom are going to be reversed here, but we'll see. I'm going to go Hamilton, Hamilton. for pole. Uh, I'm going to go Hamilton pole as well. I think they. Uh, I think it's going to be very close, but I think Hamilton might just edge it. Um, Chris, who will win? I think Sebastian Vettel's going to win this, and I have a feeling Tommy's going to have the two of them the other way around. Well, I'll do mine first, and then we'll get to Tom, <laughs> so we'll leave you all in suspense. Um, I'm going to go double ham again. Ooh, double ham. Double ham. I think he's due a, a pole and a win. Tom? Um, again, it's tough. I think I might just go with what Chris said, just to mix it up a bit. I, d- I genuinely <laughs> don't know. Um... Well, that's that's the game. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, I've got an inkling of what I want to go with, and just this week I yeah. am literally just winging it. So, yeah, why not Hamilton? Hamilton, okay. Um, first DNF, I am going. Well, who was the first DNF at the British Grand Prix? This is it was. Of course, it was. Yeah, Bernie he Hartley. didn't really get out um, though. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, power unit um, connector was the problem. Apparently. Yeah, the first on track one, I guess, was Leclerc. Yeah, and that was the botched yeah. pit stop. So the the first yeah. incident incident was Ericsson been in it, and that was because his DRS wouldn't close. So after that, it was Science <laughs> and Grosjean crashing into each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is very difficult this week. Uh, I am. There's been fairly consistent sort of few people at the back being being retiring first though and I think Brendan Hartley I, I think Brendan Hartley again I think he's just he's run a bad look especially if, if they're just 
putting new parts on the engine for fun now, then he's <laughs> going to have the worst of luck. So the, the, the stars are aligned against him. It's Hartley for me. I think I'm going to have to agree with you there. Chris Hartley and Tom. Oof. Um, despite them constantly finishing, but at the back, I'm going to say Lance Stroll. Stroll. Don't think he's ever been here. Okay. Whereas I think Sorokin has. Uh, um, yeah, you're probably right there, so, actually. Yeah. Okay, Chris, uh, the number of finishers. We had two retirements two years ago. Five retirements um, in the last race. I'm going to go for 17. 17 finishers. I've got too many tabs open. 17. Hmm. Uh, and then it's uh, Tom. Which was just yeah, Tom's I was, this time. I was just going the same. Seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. Okay, I'll I'll go sixteen then. Uh, and then could I have a random driver, please, Chris? You can. It is. Oh, Sergio Perez. Sergio Perez. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Uh... <laughs> We're a big fan of that one. There is. Uh, he After how upset we were about Sorokin last yeah. time. Qualified 12th at the British Grand Prix and finished... 10th. Yeah. 10th. Yeah, yeah. So fairly solid midfield and, performance uh, from Sorokin, uh, from Perez. And at the last I was just about to Grand say... Prix, which he was at, he also, also finished 10th. Yeah. Well, there we go then. Qualified. How relevant that is, considering it's two years ago, is a different matter. But I suppose, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know, but and he, he qualified ninth, so he's going to be around that middle middle area, isn't he? Um, I think it's my turn to go first this time as well. So I am going to say eleventh. Ooh, and um, let's go, Tom next. Um. I'd hope they'd go fairly decent around a track like this, so I'm going to say ninth. Ninth. And Chris? Uh, I'm going to go one better and say eighth. Eighth? Oh. Yeah. A bit of confidence wow. in this week. Very confident. Okay, so that's everyone. Um, you can submit your predictions at backofthegrid.com. There's a prize every week for anyone who gets a clean sweep, as well as a prize for the season champion. Um, yeah. There sure is. Um... Please give us likes and shares and subscribes in all the various places you can do those things. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can go to the aforementioned website at backofthegrid.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at backofthegridf1. On Facebook, just search Back of the Grid, and on Instagram at Back of the Grid. Uh, if you want to find any of us, I am on Twitter at TNM Chris. Stu is at Stu underscore PX. And for live <laughs> tweets from the German Grand Prix, <laughs> you can follow Tom King at Tom King eighty nine because you will be there. Thanks for putting that responsibility yeah, on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come say hello. If, if tweet me and come say hello. Yeah, if you're there, drop in between. Yeah. <laughs> and also to point out, we will all be at the Hungarian Grand Prix the week after the German Grand Prix. So if there's anyone going there, do let us know and we'll come and say hello. Or you can come and say hello. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, cool. Uh, but that will do us for this week. So enjoy the German Grand Prix and we will speak to you after it. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.
boom. Shake, shake the room. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> this podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritPodScene.com or BritPodScene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.